there's clouds. You're like, it's not a nice day. That's the point. It's not a nice day. So you're showing up at church instead of going somewhere else. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you look about as good as you can. Will you do that? Bible talks about us being overcomers by the word of our testimony, right? It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the word of our testimony. Our, our testimonies are a funny thing, though. And as I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about how testimonies aren't always spoken. A lot of times, that's why, we do, that's why we do what we do in the order we do it in in the church. We sing at the beginning. We sing at the end. Because a lot of times, testimonies come out in song. And when you don't know how to say what you feel... Uh, we'll have testimony by being led by a worship team which is taking you somewhere and you'll start preaching things to yourself, prophesying things to yourself that you don't even know you could say or how you feel, right? That's what songs are. Um, but testimonies don't always sound the same. This is one testimony. Uh, Somebody say amen. But how many of you know that testimony is an after-the-fact testimony? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, that's an after-the-fact testimony. Going through the middle of a mess testimony sounds a whole lot different. I'm walking around these walls. Right? Thought I'd been through this by now. Hear this. Waiting. I'm waiting for something. got one testimony when the trial is over you've got a different testimony when somebody catches you in the middle of it when somebody sees you and you are going through hell it is different than the words that you are speaking after you have already overcome and have gotten sunlight on the other side amen I mean did you did you hear that I'm waiting for change to come that that's in the middle of something that has not yet happened but you are anticipating it not based on anything that you can do but because he said that he would do it and he has never failed you in other words, when you're in the middle of something, you have to stand on something that you cannot produce for yourself. You can't work hard enough. You can't put in enough hours. You can't sweat and cry and beat the floor and make it happen. You are totally dependent on the one that brought you into it, trusting him that he is the one that's going to bring you all the way to the conclusion of it. Amen. So this is testimony. Testimonies change. Your testimony about the same marriage will change. Your testimony about your children will change. I love watching Charity put pictures of little Ezra on Facebook because her testimony about him is how perfect he is. And I smile and laugh, and he is. I mean, look at him. He's over sleeping on his uncle right now, and I mean, he is, there is nothing wrong when they are that size. But they don't stay that size. 
and imperfection comes a little later down the road. And our testimony about parenting will change. Because you still love them. They're still the same kid. They, they still have the same traits. But boy, our, what we say about them sure does change. And, and then when they grow up and they, they become adults and, and their whole life changes and their story changes and your, you get older and more mature, and, and you, then your testimony will change some more. And it's just over and over redefining why. Because what place you're at defines what you are encapsulating in your testimony. So I want to talk to you this morning about something that's been on my heart for a while, but we were in a long series through the book of James. And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about a general concept of time. Have you ever, um, have you ever texted somebody? I'm not going to look over on this side of the room to anybody in particular, but have you, have you ever texted somebody and they just take forever to get back to you? Am I the only one? And because they have an iPhone, you can tell they read it. But they just didn't answer you. So there's a phrase they use for it. It's, it's called being left on red. That, and, and basically it makes you feel like you're being ignored, right? Like you sent the message. You know they got the message. You can see they read the message. But they also did not deem you important enough to get back to you, and they left you on red. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is, has anybody ever felt like God left you on red? You sent him a message, you know he got the message, because <laughs> you've said it so many times, there's no way he missed those many messages, and yet he has not given you an answer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So, 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 so I'm in a good place this morning because... Um, I, I want to introduce to you a theme, and I'm not sure if anybody's ever told you. Okay, so I'm, I'm pastor. I haven't made a bold statement in a while. I used to be known to make bold statements. I haven't made any in a while, so this is as good a time as any. Um, I don't know if anybody has told you. It's not an easy thing to talk about, so I'll be the bad guy, and I'm going to tell you, you've got a weight problem. This would be a great time for me to say, look at your neighbor, and tell, but we're not going to do that. We're not trying to do that. We're not, we're not trying to make anybody mad this morning. You have a weight problem. Now, I'm going to be testifying this morning and telling you that I know exactly how this feels. Probably better than most people that you will ever know. The Bible tells me in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, it's a very popular scripture, right? But those who wait on the Lord. <laughs> he just says it like it's so easy. Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battle's won. But you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come. It's not here yet, but I'm waiting on it. Based upon my relationship with you and my history with you tells me that you are dependable, you are reliable because you have never took me into something that you have not yet delivered me from up to this point. So all I have to operate on when I can't see where I'm going, the only thing I can revert back to is where I've already been. And my past with God tells me he has never failed me. My history with God tells me that he is more than able. My my places that I've already came through tells me that if God God could get me through that. He can surely bring me through this. So I have to revert back to where he's brought me to. And now all I can do in the present mess is wait. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I don't know if you've ever caught this because I never really paid that close attention to it until I was preparing for this message. But the Bible doesn't tell you when you lost your strength, it just indicates you've waited long enough to where you've run out of strength. Listen, we're all tough on Sunday mornings. When the altars are full, the music is loud, and, and we're praying and we're believing God. But the longer you wait, you run out of your strength. And that's why the Bible says you have to learn how to wait on the Lord. Anybody else but me believe in God to do something 
in their life, like something supernatural. I'm not talking about $5 to get you to gas uh, to, to and from work. I'm talking about something supernatural. And, 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 and is anybody else like me, you've been believing God for a long time and like you needed it like, like it should have been here by now? Like, like I need something big from God and I was expecting it to already be here. Have you ever noticed the uncomfortable silence between what he says and when it shows up? Listen, God is great at making promises. I mean, he, he will blow you away when he tells you about the things he has in store for you. I mean, he, he is so great at making promises. And then he'll just shut up. What's up with that? Like, you got me all jacked up. You got me all excited. It's kind of like telling your kids you're going to give them something for Christmas. They can't wait till Christmas. And then Christmas comes around and you don't bother to show up. And they're, and they're expecting something, and they're waiting on you, and then like, where'd he go? There is an uncomfortable silence between his promise and the manifestation of it. He will go, he will go black on you and, and, and totally cut off communications and leave you on red until the manifestation shows up. And that's why the Bible says you will run out of your strength, and you're going to have to learn how to renew your strength when you wait on him. And I'm not, cons- I'm, not, I'm not personally impatient, but I hate waiting. And, and by that, what I mean is I'm not hateful and, and like impatient, but I hate waiting and not just waiting on other people. I hate waiting in general because I'm like, if I got something to do, I want to get it done. I, I, I will not sleep good to get up and get this thing done because I hate, I hate the process of thinking in my mind. If I'm sitting down to study and, and, and I know I have to mow grass, I might as well close the Bible and go mow the grass because if it's hanging over my head, I, my mind's not engaged in what I'm doing because I have this other thing I have to do. So I hate the waiting. Why does the Bible say those who wait on the Lord will renew? That means you'll get it back. That means it'll, you'll get something that you used to have, but you lost it. You'll renew your strength. I don't wait well. I'm going to be honest. I have a weight problem. I, I don't wait well. I, I, and maybe some of you are much closer to God than I am. But I'll admit that one thing I have battled my entire life is that when I wait, the reason I have a weight problem is because when I wait, I have a tendency to worry. Because I'm a fixer. I make things happen. I get stuff done. If something needs built, I'm going to build it. If something needs fixed, I'm going to fix it. If something needs said, I'm going to say it. I'm confrontational. I like to get stuff out of the way. I hate ambiguity. I hate something just hanging out in the atmosphere. I don't avoid stuff because I want to get to the root of it. Let's get it over with. Get it out in the open. Put it on the table. Show everybody our cards. And then let's move on. Because I hate tiptoeing around. I'm a fixer. And if I can't fix it, I get irritated. So when God tells me he's going to do something, I'm like, great, let's do it. And then he leaves me on red. And he don't say anything. I have a weight problem. Something we should clear up at the beginning of this message, and I'm going to repeat this in a little while. Not all waiting is the same. It's not all equal. If you're waiting for 1 o'clock... You can tell exactly how long you've got before it comes. You'll recognize it when it shows up. And you can even count down between now and then if you're waiting on 1 o'clock. But if you're waiting on healing, if you're waiting on deliverance, if you're waiting on a prodigal son or daughter to come back to the things you taught them when they were a child, you're going to wait sometimes a lot longer. And that's where we get into Weight problems. Over in Luke chapter 7, the Bible says John the Baptist had his own disciples. A lot of people don't know that, but he had his own disciples. Because he was in ministry before Jesus was. And John the Baptist was the one who recognized Jesus and set him forth. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. He was the one that proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah. But then John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7 goes to jail. And when he's in jail, his disciples show up at jail and says, Hey, you know that guy that you said was the one? He's over there raising the dead, casting out devils, healing the sick. He's doing miracles upon miracles. 
And John the Baptist, who was the one who pointed Jesus out, told his disciples, Go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we keep waiting for one to show up? Are you the one? And when they got to Jesus, the Bible says, You go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blinded eyes have been opened. The deaf ears have been unstopped. The lepers have been cleansed. The dead has been raised. Go tell John what you saw and heard that I indeed am exactly who I said I was because the good news is being preached to the poor. Here's the problem these disciples had. They got tired while they were waiting because the process was taking longer than they thought it would. See, they thought John was the one. The disciples started following John the Baptist because they thought he was the one. John the Baptist said, no, 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 it's not me. The one that is coming, I'm not worthy to get down and, and tie his shoes, shine his loafers. I, he, he is greater than me. He's the one. So they thought John was the one. John said, no, it's not me. Jesus is the one. Then they thought Jesus was the one. But now John the Baptist has went to jail, and Jesus is letting him rot in prison. And if Jesus is the one, why is Jesus not doing something? Am I the only one that's ever gotten together with God and said, God, why ain't you doing something? If this is the right thing, if this is the just thing, if this is the thing you put, why is this marriage taking this much out of me? Why are these babies you give me draining me? Why ain't you doing something? I, I, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Why aren't you doing something? See, the process saps your strength. That's why the Bible says you got to wait on the Lord to renew your strength. Because the longer they waited, they thought John was it. They thought Jesus was it. Now, John, the longer they waited, the worse stuff got. And sometimes, sometimes your weight problem is you've been waiting so long, you've become disillusioned that anything is ever going to get better. Y'all not going to help me preach this morning. When they were in front of Jesus, they said, are you the one? Or should we keep waiting? Jesus said, you go tell John what you saw. They didn't recognize the answer when he was standing in front of them. And the danger in your waiting is sometimes you'll wait so long, you'll become so disillusioned, you won't recognize the answer when it shows up in front of you. So this is the problem that we have in the waiting. Jesus was their answer. But they're still asking questions about when's God going to show up and do something. So maybe I should stop right here and tell somebody in this room, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for what you've ran out of. He's the answer for what you've been waiting on. And sometimes it don't feel like he has the answer because it's been so long and you have been waiting and you feel like you're in a prison of your own mind. You're in a prison of a marriage. You're in a prison of a relationship. You're in a prison of a career. But I want somebody to know this morning that Jesus is the answer and he has a way and he is doing something even when you don't see it. Everything that feels like it's been in neutral will one day become engaged and you will steamroll through what's been holding you back. But you've got to renew your strength with Him. Jesus didn't put any kind of requirements around who could come to the Lord. Religion does that. Religion says you have to belong to this certain church, be baptized in this certain name. You can have these kind of sins, but not these kind of sins. And, and those are the ones that can come to God. But here's what Jesus said. All who are weary, come to me and I will trade you what you've got for what I've got. He didn't say if you went through seven months of, of seminary training. He didn't say those that go to this certain church. No, he said if you're weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. He doesn't put any kind of restrictions around his father about who can come. He's willing to trade with anybody because he died for everybody. And he wants to set the captives free. And I can't help at this stage of my ministry... To wonder that if the church would have spent all these years telling folk where they could find rest instead of pointing out 
what was making them tired. Maybe. Maybe we would have pointed more people toward Jesus. If we would have let them know, if you're waiting on a healing, you don't have to get right first. Jesus has your answer. If they've been waiting for burdens to be lifted, instead of pointing at the burdens and saying, you did this to yourself, we should have been saying, get to Jesus and he'll take those burdens off of you and he'll make you a new creation. Some folk ain't sleeping good at night and we're trying to tell them why they're not sleeping good at night instead of pointing them to Jesus who will show them how to rest. We, some people don't know how to make ends meet and all we do is tell them to work harder but instead of working harder sometimes we need to work less hard and take our troubles to the Lord submit everything over to Him and watch what He'll do in our life so if you're struggling this morning Jesus says come to me if you've got relationship problems just bring them to Jesus if you've got addiction problems bring them to Jesus if you've got problems in your family friend bring them to Jesus if you're being tempted in some kind of way and you don't even want to talk about it bring your troubles to Jesus that's how you renew your you've got to get in God Remember when you was a kid, did you ever go to school and trade lunch? <laughs> and you was always trying to trade your banana for a Kit Kat. Remember? It was never an even trade. You was always trying to pull some Tom Sawyer stuff. Make that apple you got sound, sound like something they really wanted. So you could get that snicker bar off of them. He's always trying to pull one over on somebody. Well, here's the deal. Jesus says, bring me everything you don't want. And I'm going to provide for you everything you need. Bring me everything that's weighing you down and and wearing you out and making you tired. Bring it to me and I will give you in exchange. I'll trade with you. And I will trade with you perfect peace. And I'll give you anointing. And I'll liberate you. And I'll turn your life around and make you a new creation. But we are not a culture who waits well. When I was a kid, my mom and dad had a remote control on their TV. It was called me. And when the channel needed changed, they say, hey, go change the channel. And I didn't have to stand there long because we had about them. And if the president was on giving a speech, your whole night was ruined. Today... We've got Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and half a dozen other streaming services. You know why? Because we want to fast forward through everything we don't like. If the commercials come on, we want to fast. I will record the local news so I can fast forward through the commercials just to get to the weather. Because we like to fast forward through all the stuff we don't like. How many of you wish life had a fast forward button? Amen. Where you could just fast forward all through all the tough times and the shadows of death moments and, and all the prison experiences. You would just, and some of y'all are sitting beside somebody this morning saying, I wish I had a rewind because I would rewind past the day that I met you and I would go to the other. Yeah. But that's another sermon for another time. Not all waiting is the same. How many of you like waiting here? You like this? Huh? You left on time. You did everything you were supposed to do to get where you were going on time. And now you're stuck waiting and it ain't your fault. You're waiting because somebody else is broken somebody else messed up and now you're waiting for something to get fixed that you had nothing to do before you can proceed some of the most frustrating waiting you will ever go through is caused by other people if you're waiting on me to preach I'm already there Because the problem with waiting in the traffic situation is you did what you were supposed to do. 
You prayed the prayers. You came to church. You tithed and offerings. You believed the word of God. And you found out you can't change other people. Oh, you've, you've, you've put post-it notes on their lunchbox when they go to work. You put anointing cloths in there because you're a sneaky rascal. And you put anointing cloths in their pillowcase before they lay down at night. And you walk seven times around the bed while they're asleep and start praying in another language. You're doing all the things and all the stuff. And you did what you were supposed to do. But you're still waiting on somebody else. That may never change. Because at some point, friend, you have to come to the realization that you can do all the things. And they may never change. And if you're not careful, you will stay stuck in the same place waiting on something that is not going to happen. So you have to learn how to renew your strength in Him because they will let you down. They will hold you back. But you can find out that if you, the closer you get to the Lord, He gives you strength to overcome every present situation that you are stuck in. Hmm. Anybody like to travel? Some of y'all just got back from vacation. Some people are on vacation. Like sitting here? Uh, yeah, I'm early. Anybody an early person? Uh, in, anybody in this room, are you one of the ones running through the airport with your bags like falling apart and stuff because you waited till the very... I got some... I, I see some people, Dave Parker, are hiding his face. I see him. He's... Yeah, some of y'all are like that. Now me, I'm like four hours early. I'm there the night before. Got a sleeping bag and stuff. It don't pay you to do that now because they're, they're postponing flights all the time. But um, I found when I sit here, I get nervous. Because I can see what's supposed to take me to my destination. But I still can't access it. See, I see that plane sitting out there. But I'm in here. I'm this close to it and can't get on it. There's still something that is keeping me waiting even though I'm this close to my breakthrough. And, and, and I, have, I have walked as far as I can walk on my own. When, when I sat in this seat, I was telling the people that are supposed to take my ticket because I've got my ticket. I have done all my preparations. I have checked my baggage. I have done everything I was supposed to do. And when I sit in this seat, I'm letting them know I am ready. I, I, I am ready for when you get ready to pull out, make me make sure that I'm on one of those seats. And, and I'm standing here getting nervous looking at the uh, tarmac because I'm wondering, right, did they forget about me because I see my blessing? And if I can see it, surely I can get to it. But there's still somebody that's in between. And, and so I, I get a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious. And, and I don't know who this is for this morning. But can I tell somebody that, that when you feel like you are stuck, you, 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 you do all kinds of frantic stuff. You do all kinds of anxiety stuff. You do all kinds of temper tantrum stuff. But have you ever just tried looking? Have you ever just tried saying, look, I know what the schedule says. And I know what the Word said. And I bought my ticket. And I did everything I can do. And at this point, I'm just going to have to say, when it comes, it comes. When it gets here, it gets here. Because I can't make nothing happen. Some of you make yourself sick with worry about things you cannot change. Why am I saying y'all? Some of us make ourselves sick with worry. Sometimes when you sit here, there's more than one group sitting at the same terminal. And you're going different places. And when that plane pulls up, and it's my plane, I get excited. Pastor Amanda's one of these people that's like, she will sit there and sit there and sit there until she feels like they're about to start boarding. And she says, get up and sneak over to the front. 
And you'll see her with her, she got them bags, and she's just creeping along. Ninja style. Trying to get up to the front, wheeling her little, wheeling her little bag. And I, she, will, she will leave me behind. She will leave Hannah. She, she's on a mission. She's going to be one of the first ones on that, on that plane. But sometimes when you're sitting there, you're sitting there with another group that's not going to your destination. And they don't get excited when they see your plane. Because they know that what is blessing you ain't going to help them. So, so, so sometimes you get frustrated when you are sitting in this seat because other folks are getting to their destination and you're still sitting here waiting. And I came here to tell somebody this morning to quit getting mad at other folks who are already where you want to be because it ain't helping you get there any faster. Being jealous of another person because they got, I thought I'd have been married by now. I thought my kids would have been saved by now. I would have thought that I'd be out of debt by now. Don't get mad when you see other folks achieve what it is you're praying for. All you need to do is say, hallelujah, the same God that did it for them can do it for me. Don't get mad at me because I got a blessing. I ain't driving the plane. I didn't put gas in it. I don't even throw the luggage in it. It was just my turn. Just look at your neighbor. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's just my turn. Just go ahead. Prophetically tell them. It's just my turn. Those that wait on the... Not, not on your neighbor. Wait on the Lord. Your blessing, your breakthrough, your miracle, it's all on the way. And what I learned a long time ago, God's credit is good with me. I'll bless him now. He can bless me later. Because if I tell him now that I'm, I'm waiting, God, I got my ticket, Lord. I'm anticipating. I did everything I do. I've walked as far as I can walk. They won't let me walk down that ramp until it is my turn. But when it is my turn, Lord, I have prayed all the prayers. I've memorized all the scriptures. I've quoted all the prophecy. I am ready, Lord. Is there anybody in this church that's just ready? I mean, you have waited and waited and waited. And you're like, God, I'm ready. Anybody? Anybody ready for a miracle? Anybody ready for a break? through anybody for an overwhelming blessing and outpouring of God's favor anybody need the Lord to do something huh and if you don't like waiting in these two places you definitely won't like this one that's the wrong picture that's the wrong picture there we go. When you're here, waiting in a doctor's office, you're waiting on information. You're waiting on a report that's going to tell you how to cope with what's wrong. When you're waiting in this room, they've done all the tests. And you're waiting for them to tell you what kind of procedures you're going to need. When you sit in this room, you realize that something has been wrong for a long time. And you are waiting on a diagnosis. I hate doctor's offices. I hate dentists. I mean, I ain't mad at you. I know we got nurses and doctors. I ain't mad at you. I love you. But I, I hate your office. Dude, I hate getting poked and prodded in that stupid gown that they call a gown. And it's not a gown because there's too, way too much missing for it to be a gown. And just the uncomfortable conversations you have in that room. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes you can see the look on their face. And you're like, would you just quit drawing blood and tell me what's wrong? I, I hate ambiguity. So just spit it out. What did the x-ray show? What does the test reveal? Because I'm sitting here waiting to know how to proceed. And I don't know where my next step should be 
until you tell me what's wrong. And what's even worse is when you're sitting in this chair waiting on news about somebody you love. Is it cancer? Is it diabetes? Is it heart failure? And you're waiting to hear news about somebody else that you love and care about because you want them to get relief and all you want is to know that they're okay and you're waiting and you're waiting and the worst part about waiting right here is you don't know how to react until the news arrives. You don't know whether you should praise God for, for healing or pray to God for healing until you get the news. So you're sitting here completely helpless. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Whether it's the news for your own diagnosis or somebody that you love and care about. When you sit in this office, you are completely helpless. And you don't even know what you should start doing. Should you do a Jericho march or should you start lamenting and tearing your clothes and sit in sackcloth? Should you call prayer partners or should you call the worship team you don't know because you're you don't have enough information does anybody know what it feels like to be sitting around saying God I just don't know what to do I'm waiting Lord but I just don't know what to do the anticipation is deafening and can I tell you part of your problem do you love me do you appreciate the, the word that I speak over you? Because this is going to be hard for some of you to hear. Part of your problem with this room is who you gave authority to sit in it with you. See, because of HIPAA laws, can't just everybody show up in this room. You have to give authority for folks to come into this room. And some of you have authorized the wrong people. And you are listening to the wrong voices. When you're sitting in this room and you're waiting on instruction, you need a list of folk that you can call and an other list that is much longer of people that you should not call from this room. You can call them tomorrow. You can call them on the weekend. You can call them next week or at Christmas time. But don't you dare call some people from this room because them people are the ones that's going to say, well, you know the survival rate of that cancer is very low. Or you know your daddy died from the same thing. Shut up when I'm in this room. I need you telling me what thus saith the Lord. I need you to prophesy life over me. I need you to speak into me and tell me that I'm destined for a purpose and I'll live and not die. Hey, I'm blasting you. I must not have stomped in a long time. I'm tearing stuff up. Listen, you can't have competing voices in this room. You can't be speaking healing for yourself while listening to people who are speaking death to you. I have enough negative voices in my life confirming the negative thoughts that live in my head. I need some people when I'm in this room that will come along beside of me and tell me you can overcome this because you serve a big God. Because... At Walmart. 
don't you just love that you get to work for them? You get to check your own self out. I asked one uh, uh, several months ago, I said, can I have one of them aprons? Since I'm working here now part-time, can I, can I just have one of them Walmart aprons? Like, I ain't expecting a paycheck or another, but at least you give me an apron and maybe a name tag. Because since I'm working here, can I tell you something, church? What the church needs to remember when you think about standing in line is that everybody is waiting on something. So you need to be kind because you don't know how long other people have been waiting. Don't judge your neighbor if they don't shout like you do. Or if they don't jump like you do. Or they don't sing when the song plays. If your neighbor looks tired, it might not be sin. It might not be an attack. If your neighbor looks tired, it might be because they're tired. Because they've been waiting a long, long time. And the danger is, the longer you stand here, you see that rack back there? That's put there specifically, strategically. Because you didn't know you needed gum. You didn't know that you liked fruit-flavored Skittles until you saw them. And they strategically put that at the end of the process, the end of the journey, because you could miss it over there with all the other stuff you were getting. But you can't miss it here. Oh, and them little, uh, the, 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 them little rugrats you have with you certainly won't miss it. They see all the candy. So they put it right here at the end to tempt you. Because the longer you wait, somebody say amen. The longer you wait, the more stuff you find to hold on to. The longer you wait in this line, well, I thought God would have been here by now. Maybe he just don't like me as much as he likes pastor. Well, I've been waiting so long for somebody to be my friend and maybe nobody at the church wants to, wants to be my friend. I've been waiting for a long time for, for love to come. Maybe, maybe nobody's ever going to love me. I've been, I've been waiting here for a long time for the church to remember that I can... I can sing too, but maybe, maybe nobody cares enough to ask me. Maybe I'm not special enough. You start thinking about all the bad choices you've made. You start thinking about all the time you wasted. All the things that you should have done. All the stuff you wish you didn't do. You're just collecting all kinds of stuff. We, 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 all, we all have memories that we collect. And, and, and we, all, we all have offenses. And I don't know what you've got in your bag. But here's what I do know. The longer you hold it, and the more stuff you put in it, the heavier it gets. And I've put heartbreak in here. And I don't know what you've got in yours, but some of you have put abandonment issues. And some of you have put offenses. And we've all got memories of the past that we put in here. But I know this, it's hard to praise when I'm carrying so much. And it's hard to lift my hands and worship when I've got so much weight on me. And maybe that's why the Bible tells me to cast aside all the weights 
that doth so easily beset me because I can't even lift my hands in worship because I have collected so much baggage while I've been waiting in this line. And I didn't know I was going to be here this long, but I was reminded of all the hurts that I have went through. And if he really loved me, wouldn't he have done this for me? And if she really cared about me, why wouldn't she come home? And if my kids was, was responsible, why are they still in this condition? And we've just collected so much. And then we come to the house of God and we find ourselves still waiting in this line and we don't know why everybody else seems like they can worship and they're free but I can't get free friend you'll never be free as long as you're holding this you gotta learn how to let it go so you can lift your hands and praise God you've gotta drop it you've gotta release it cause the longer you hold on to it the heavier it gets I'm going to teach you two things before I let you go. Our TV's out, so I don't know how long I've been preaching. TV, TV unplugged, so y'all getting a double barrel today. Remember when you were sitting at the airport? You could see the airplane when you're sitting in this chair. You can see the airplane right there, but you can't get on it yet. I mean, your blessing is close. Close enough to see it. But it's not yours yet. But you know what you can see? Over there in that little stand, they got candy. <laughs> and they got potato chips. They even got neck pillows. So when you fall asleep on the plane, you don't end up in your neighbor's lap. They even sell luggage in the airport. I'm not sure who ran into the airport holding their underwear up under their arm and now needs a piece of luggage to stick it in. I don't know how that situation could ever come about. But obviously somebody's buying luggage in the airport. And the one thing I want to teach you is this. While you're waiting... Trying to renew your strength. Guard against distractions. Because I don't see my plane yet, but I do see them chips. And if I go get in the wrong line, because my appetite, y'all not going to help me preach. I thought this was a Pentecostal church. I'm going to take a chance on missing my flight because my appetite pulled me to the wrong line. And while I'm waiting in the wrong line, I could be missing the outcome of the right line because I got distracted while I was waiting. And I have watched folk do this over and over and over again in my ministry. Got married too quick because they got in the wrong line. Took the wrong job because they got in the wrong line. Got way too far in debt because they got in the wrong line. And you have to guard against being distracted. If God told you you could have it, why are you being distracted with whatever the world can throw at you? Hold on to Him. Uh, can you imagine missing a flight because you needed some chips? Don't get distracted while you're waiting on your blessing. Hear me, and I'll let you go to the next point. There is a right person and a right place and a right time for everybody in this room that will become a distraction and get you out of the right line. Your job is to not let all three of them end up in the same place. Because there is, listen, there is a right person and a right place and a right time that will put you in the wrong line. You'll end up in the wrong bedroom. You'll end up in the wrong relationship. You'll end up in the wrong place. You'll, you'll end up in the wrong line if you let all three of those things converge at the same time. And Jesus says, we need to learn how to be still. Right? You ever seen a kid when you tell him be still? <laughs> so I got three kids, and the first two, 
I know they knew what the words meant. Like be and still. But they didn't know how to work them together. Like they knew what be meant and they knew what still meant. But they didn't know how to put them together and actually become that. And so Alyssa and Jared, when I would tell them to be still, we'd be standing somewhere waiting in line. Be still. Be still. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So, so you get, you, I told you, be still. Be still. Be still. Be still. Be still. Well, my God. Should I proceed or we need to pray a devil out of something? That's not part of this. That wasn't planned. I'm as shocked as you are. Woo! Church is over. So you tell that unruly kid, I told you to be still. Now get over there and sit down. It's just our kids. Just ours that did that. They're sitting down. But they don't know how to be still. Like they might be standing in one place, but this is standing in one place too. They don't, they don't know how to be still. And you do the same thing in your spirit. Because you get impatient. And God says, trust me. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I trust you. Hey, he says, draw close to me. And you're like, okay. But I'd like to go over here <laughs> and see if maybe I could make this work for myself. And just, I prayed for a relationship and you didn't give me one. And look how cute it is. I prayed for a job and you didn't bring the one I needed. So look how shiny. And God's like, come close to me. And you do it on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, you're, you got that restless leg syndrome. And you have a hard time just being still. God, you've been taking so long. I have been waiting so long. And God says, I know. Just wait. God, I don't want to wait. Do, do you have any idea how hard it is to wait and God says actually yeah I do Jesus the word made flesh stepped over heaven's balcony to be born of a virgin wrapped himself in flesh and walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Judea for 30 years And he passed by cemeteries where people were mourning. And he knew he had the power to raise the dead. But he had to wait. And he passed by sick people who were begging to get their strength back in their bodies. And he walked by them and did not heal them, did not intervene because he knew it wasn't time. For 30 years, he knew who he was and what he could do. And he did nothing. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry to fulfill six hours of purpose. So don't tell God 
about how long you've been waiting. He knows how long it takes for purpose to be developed. He knows that if you rush it, it'll get there too soon and you won't be ready or the people won't be ready or the anointing will fail or you will be set up before your time and it will not work. He knows how long it's going to take to get you out of that chair. Jesse shows up at the house of, or Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. And Jesse don't even call all of his boys in. He calls seven of them, leaves little David out in the backfield because it's obviously not David. And the man of God tries to pour oil over the first brother, the second, the third, all seven brothers, but the Bible says the oil stayed. Jesse said, can't be right. Run them through again. Second time through, he tried to pour the oil on their head, and the oil stayed. He looks at Jesse and says, I know God sent me here to anoint somebody who's going to be the next king. You got any more sons? Well, he's little David. He's a little red-headed, freckle-faced, ruddy boy. He definitely ain't it. Samuel said, go get him because nothing else is working. And the Bible says that when they brought David in, they turned the horn of oil, and the oil poured out on David. The point is this. If you've been waiting on your oil, nobody else took it from you. The reason it's so hard for some of you sitting in this chair is because you see everybody else getting their blessing and you think, why ain't I got my husband yet? Why ain't I got my wife yet? Why ain't I got my breakthrough yet? Why ain't I ain't got my miracle yet? How come I ain't finished school yet? How come my kids haven't got saved yet? But if their oil was meant for you, it wouldn't have went to them. Stop getting your eyes on them and renew your strength in the one who's going to be able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Because the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. Which means if you've seen it, it ain't what God's got for you. If you've heard about it, it's not. If you've imagined it, it's much bigger than that. God's got something in store for you. And all you got to do is learn how to wait. You're trying to run out of this chair. And God says, the longer you sit here, the more I'm producing purpose in your life. The longer you sit here, the more I can perform the miracle that you need. The longer you sit here, the more I can strengthen and sustain you for the journey. And you're trying to get out of this seat. Where are you going? God said, sit still. and Let me give you strength. And if you need strength this morning, won't you jump to your feet? all over this building. If you need God to give you a supernatural influx of health, you need God to perform a miracle, you need God to do something in your relationships, you need God to perform a miracle in your house, get to your feet this morning. Father, I repent for all the times that I tried to get ahead of you. I'm sorry, Lord, for all the times I tried to make my own way instead of learning to lean on you. I want to learn from you. I want your Holy Ghost to teach me. I want to gain my strength back. And if that means I have to sit still and stay right here, God, that's what I'm going to do. But I need you, Lord. I'm so tired. I've run out of my own strength. I need you, Lord. If that's you, make an altar at your seat. Come down to this altar. Lay prostrate before the Lord. I don't care how you do it, but I just feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost is going to give somebody strength here today. And you're going to leave different than you came. trying to get out of this seat. Quit fighting God. You're not going to win. Sit down. 
Let him renew your strength. Can't believe where the road has led. There's one who knows the heavy you hold. And he says, come to me. Carry 